Hi everyone, it's Gracie with Self Care with Gracie. I'm back on the podcast today with a very special friend of mine, Harper. Hi, Harper. Hi. And Harper is um, special for many reasons. One of those reasons is that we've been friends for a very long time in our lives. I, I think I met you when I was 15 years old. Is that possible? You were working uh, as a shampoo girl. So how old were you? Oh, I think I was. I think I was like 16, 17 when I was a shampoo girl. Okay. <laughs> that was that was end of high school. And Harper and I were part of the same youth group. Unity Churches, it's called, was called Youth of Unity. It still continues today. And then Harper and I have stayed friends through our adult life, and um, we both now share the, the part of our lives in common where we're both um, entrepreneurs and starting businesses based in personal development. And so I've been really lucky to work with Harper around her business, Curious Ground, which is um, grounded in many wonderful things. I'm going to read your bio here, Harper. Okay. Um, So your parents named you Harper to honor the author Harper Lee and your mother's family name. And you wanted your name to be Jenny for the longest time. Yes. (laughs) I wanted my my name to be Deborah. That was the name I wanted when I was younger. That's so funny. That's my mom's name. That's so lucky her. Um, And you were raised by loving nonconformists with a brother who decided at age 10 to become a comedian. Is he still a comedian now? He is. Yep. He's a comedian. He uh, is working as a comedian in Amsterdam. Amazing. Yeah. And um, so curiosity and authenticity were your family's highest family values, which is awesome. Um, and so uh, you earned a BFA in photography and MA in art education and more than 300 hours of training as a facilitator of self-inquiry, which I definitely want to hear more about. And over the past years, you've taught art um, for the past 10 years. And today you're practicing the roles of teacher, writer, photographer, wife, mom, and student. Just a few yeah. things. Yeah, a couple. And I love this last yeah. part of your bio. I'm going to read it from your voice. Um, I believe that humankind is built for creativity and that when our thinking is aligned, we will realize our greatest potential. Creativity, compassion, and courage are what the world needs from you now. And I want to draw those gifts out into the light. Yeah. So, Harvard, tell us more about yourself. Um, how did you um, get grounded in curiosity and um, how, how has that formed you as, as all of the roles that you play today? Oh, gosh. You know, I think when you, um, when, when, when I got called to build some kind of a business to explore um, entrepreneurship, it was the first time that I looked at those like grounding qualities, you know, what are my values? Um, They're just kind of innate. So it's almost hard to look at them, you know, like pull out, tease out those things. But what I discovered was common in my, in the way I was raised and the way that I raised my kids and what makes me feel like where I'm happiest and how I feel fulfilled is, is um, in curiosity that um, I've always felt like I might not know the answer, but I know that there is one. And I, re- I think that my parents raised me that way to you know, be a problem solver. And um, it's just really served me. I also, you know, I grew up with artists in my family. And I think that it, problem solving in that way is just sort of 
um, innate in, in the practice. And so I probably had experience with curiosity before I knew that that's what I was doing. Um, but when I look back at, you know, what, what are my values and how, how, what has shaped my life? What, what makes me feel fulfilled? It's curiosity. How has curiosity um, informed Curious Ground? Tell, can you tell us more about your business and how that the process of, of it coming to be? I know a little bit from just my end of things, but I'd love to hear how you put it all together. Yeah, well, um, my my bio talks about a little bit that I I taught art for 10 years. I taught in elementary classrooms. I loved it. And um, what I what I loved most was watching how instinctive children are that they just have these impulses and actually the younger they are, the more just fantastic the work is. Um, and the first thing I noticed was that when you get to about fifth grade, just developmentally, you start wanting things to look right. And so if you don't have a teacher who is there to jump in and encourage you to be curious, then um, those instincts sort of fade. Um, and I also noticed in parent teacher conferences, I was, meeting with parents who are like, we don't know. I mean, our kid makes amazing work and we don't know where this comes from. It, I don't, I'm not creative or I'm not an artistic person. And so what I was noticing was like, when we're really young, we have these instincts for um, tapping into our own voice and for expressing ourselves. And it's just innate. And as we get older, it's part biology, but it's also cultural too, that we lose those instincts. And so, um, the longer I worked in the field, the longer I, I had a desire to help grown-ups reconnect with those instincts. Um, and then I became a parent, and I became just so aware of wanting to have time with my children. And I worked really hard to make a schedule that felt like it was balanced. And uh, don't you think balance is like its own podcast? <laughs> Yes. There's um, like the myth of balance. Um, but I, I thought that, you know, carving out time for them and giving them a pause before, you know, they stepped into like cultural schedule was really important. And I really valued that time with them. And um, I just wanted to box that up. Like, how do I... I can't be the only one who is wanting a pause with my children. You know, I can't be the only parent who's noticing that like these kids are growing so fast. And even though I, um, even though I'm there to take them to the, you know, their little league and their ballerina, crop, you know, uh, you know, dance class and the recitals and I'm take the pictures at Halloween and we make the costumes like they're, I still blink and they're bigger. So how do I find those those meaningful moments where I feel like we can pause together and connect again? So that's that's where I found like gosh, if I could box that up and give that to people, that I feel like would be the greatest gift. So that's that's where Curious Ground came from. And you actually give people boxes of, of yeah. creative exercises. Yeah. Actually, at first I thought it was going to be coaching and then it just became really clear to me, like, I, I don't want to be a coach. I just, I want to 
literally give people a gift. And so it is like this beautiful little box um, of goodies, really high quality art materials and um, some opportunity to reflect with some thoughtful questions that might create some conversations while you're um, together. Um, and it could be with your children, but it could also be with your neighbors or with your girlfriends. Uh, I'm sure that I'm not the only parent who noticed that when I was focusing on my children, I was missing out on, you know, focusing on my relationship with my husband or my relationship with my best friend or um, my neighbors, my mom, you know, so um, what I know about art is that it's just a really wonderful way to like root ourselves in, in our own voice and what's meaningful to us. And, and creativity is just so such a wonderful, ripe, fertile ground for connection. So you do an art project and you have some good conversation and all of a sudden you feel like, oh, I had that really meaningful pause where I feel reconnected to what matters to me again. I, I love how you, you know, the meaningful pause is, is like can be intentional with having something like this. That's like an actual like box that you sit down and do. And yeah. I talk a lot about leadership that's like where i see self-care going and that's that's really my vision is that we take care of ourselves we have um we develop our capacity for leadership and then we can create opportunities for care for other people and mm -hmm. one way that i've really found myself practicing leadership in my own life is in with my family mm -hmm. but i think my family has like always kind of gone through like like routines specifically focused around food of just like mm -hmm. okay we get together we have some like appetizers, we have a drink, we like sit down, we have dinner, we have dessert and everybody goes home. And I, and sometimes within that structure, I really feel like I, I don't get to connect with people in there. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so part of how I see myself now that I, I, I'm like kind of the mom in the family and have the home and I'm having people over for meals is that I, I want more opportunities like this for us to not just spend time together in a superficial way to say that we did, but really to spend time with each other to really feel like we like know each other better at the end of, um, of doing something together. We just had a little gathering for the, uh, the four year anniversary of my father's passing and made Polish food and looked at old photographs and told stories. And I was really intentional about this is what we were going to do tonight. And it was just such a meaningful connection with my family that I was like, I want to do more things like this. So I'm, I'm very excited to get your box from my family and create some gatherings around it. Oh, that, I'm, I'm excited for you. And it actually reminds me of um, a woman that I sent one of our sample boxes to just to test it out and see what she thought. And, um, it happened that her mother-in-law's passing came like as the box arrived. So when she said she was interested in the box, it was so that, you know, she and her daughter could sit down and do it together. And she thought it would be fun for them to try it out. And uh, what ended up happening was she had it in her bag when she went to her sister-in-law's house for dinner. And they felt like bringing out the box would be like a really great vehicle for talking about this event that was happening that nobody knew how to talk about. So just, just saying, okay, we're putting intention around taking these things out and doing this gave them the space for conversation to happen and for people to open up and to find their voice, even if it's just sitting quietly and picking out the, you know, the colored tape that you want to use. 
it's um, yeah, it's that intentionality that you were describing. And I really think when, when we're so busy in the way that we are, when our schedules are so full, that whether it's a big moment or a small moment, we, it, we're really benefited by that intentionality, by marking that time. Whether you plan ahead or you don't, you just say like, right now is, is the moment that we're going to pause. It's something I hear over and over again from clients particularly, but just from people in my life that they want to learn how to be more intentional and not Mm -hmm. how to just go through the motions every day. It's like that feeling of being super busy, but not really feeling like kind of like more like you're being taken by your life rather than you taking your life and making something out of it. Yeah. And I've been thinking for a while around how I I think that we're trained to be good consumers in our culture, that we like watch a lot of TV, you know, like buy stuff, we consume really well. But when it comes to being a creator, that seems to be really challenging for a lot of people, including myself. Like it's hard for me to even put myself in that category. Do you have any thoughts about that? Like our, our consumer culture and how to be a creator within it? Oh, that's such a great question because yeah i i actually just spent last weekend rearranging a room in our house and um i even said to my kids like just look look at what i have pulled out of the closet and then tell me that we need to go to the store for anything (laughs) and it was so funny because they were like i can think of things there's like hot wheels that i don't have and (laughs) there's that book like okay okay but um, I do, I think, yes, we are definitely trained and our children, you know, they're, they're such a captive audience, all the great commercials that are out there that, that getting more stuff is, um, is what is most pleasing. And yet, you know, you have a tiny little guy, you know, that the toy is never as interesting as the box that the toy came in, you know, like the tissue paper and that the the sensory experience of pulling tissue paper out of a bag is is like just so all consuming and fascinating and you know you'll get to the, the you know the squeaky wind up guy later not to say that those things aren't good i really think both are good because i you know like i there are these watercolors these liquid watercolors called dr martens and they're just the most delicious little bottle and just looking at them makes me excited to get working on something and yet I know my creativity doesn't come from that little bottle it you know it comes from something that's innate you know comes from a sensory experience so um I think becoming an observer um which is just a practice that (laughs) it it just benefits us all, I think, in a consumer society. Becoming an observer more than a doer, um, being more than doing, I think is just so essential. And then it kind of, it stops making that be a problem. Like there will be things that we'll buy. And and when we do, let those be things that, you know, bring you great joy. And there are also times when, um, you know, the, the packing peanuts are the most exciting time and part. And you know, you can dip those in paint and make that a stamp or you can glue them and make clouds or you can just climb into the box. And, you know, those are all those can all bring the same kind of joy. 
I I just I like thinking of that idea of of letting the joy lead rather than mm-hmm. making anything in particular. And so I guess I guess I'm trying as I listen to you, I'm trying to think of all the cynics out there who are like I, I would say maybe a little afraid of their own creativity or to step into it, but I think that that fear can show up in different ways. And one that's coming to mind, I'm just I'm just gonna throw it at you here, is like there's a lot there's a lot of problems in the world. You know, we have we yeah. have to like tear down white supremacy. We have to figure out how we're gonna get healthcare and how that whole system isn't gonna collapse, like et cetera, et cetera. And so why why am I supposed to focus on my creativity? Like what is that doing to change the world? Yeah, indeed. I mean, for sure. And there are so many ways to talk yourself out of um, articulating what it is that you value. Because you really, you know, in our consumerist society, you can just subscribe to values. And, and you don't really have to question it very much. Um, And yet, um, I think the the larger problems require that we participate and i don't think that somebody can fully participate subscribing to sort of generic set of values you know i think that even if we would like to you know live a meaningless life you know even if we think it might be easier to just have something prescribed I, it's not fulfilling, and I don't think it's what we're here for. I really do think that the the thing that we're built for is creativity. And I know that for the most part, when people think of creativity, they think of like being able to draw really well. And I actually think that that's probably left over from like fifth or sixth grade when you know you notice that somebody next to you is really awesome at drawing dragons, and somewhere on your mind you were like, oh, I'm not a dragon drawer, so I'm not creative. Yeah. And um, that's not creativity. Creativity is what we humans have been doing since we got here. You know, it's just the like that question of I wonder what if, you know, what what would happen if I if I put my hand on this cave wall and I blew this red clay dust at it? You know, we've been doing this since we were here on the planet. Creativity is is what what we're made to do. So um, you, you may not be an artist who has, you know, work in the Louvre and that doesn't make your work any less worthy. Thank you for that saying help? that. Yeah, it, it does help. It does help because I, I, you know, I was speaking kind of from the perspective of the other, but I think that's my own voice in my own head when I see all the problems that are in the world and I think of creativity as being something frivolous and that's not going to help me solve the problems. But your framing of it is so helpful that creativity is actually, it helps you solve problems. Yes. Yes. Creativity absolutely helps you solve problems. Um, I'll give you an example. I was talking to my, well, I, I've been working out um the design of each box. I like to incorporate some self-inquiry. We were talking about that earlier and it shows up in subtle ways in the work, but really what I do is provide a reflection for people. So it's not only just an art process, but it's an opportunity to reflect on some, 
some questions that ask you to dig a little deeper. And I was stuck. I had an idea that I was going to use this one art medium and pair it with this concept. And they just felt really forced. And I don't know, for whatever reason, I thought I would tell my kids, my kids are six and nine. So over dinner, I was like, you know, I was going to do this, but it doesn't really make sense to me that I do it this way. Or like, it just feels kind of forced. And even as I was saying it out loud, I was like, what do they know? <laughs> like, why am I bothering them with this stuff? And um, actually, just saying it out loud was helpful to me to articulate what it was, I, what the problem was that I was struggling with. And they were incredibly helpful. <laughs> they, um, they just helped me kind of simplify. Like it turned out I was making the, making it too complicated for myself. And they were like, well, what if you just talk about this? Like, yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly it. <laughs> so, you know, creativity, like I say, is like, it's big and it's small. You know, I think that we can solve the world's problems with creativity. And I also think that we can, you know, plan dinner with creativity as well. Like, you know, um, creativity is so much bigger, I think, than we make it, but not, um, it's not, what do I say? Like, it's not a skill. It's a, it's, it's a, a beingness. It's your essence. What keeps coming through for me is this idea that creativity is trustable. Like when you're saying it, yeah. Like it's we can trust it. And I there I don't do you, I don't know if you know them. They're called the Kundalini Sutras. They're like the yoga sutras for the Kundalini community. No. And the first one of them is um there's a way through every block. And that that sutra has helped me so much in my life <laughs> of just like when something comes up to be like there is a way through every single block that's here and that helps me to trust. And I I don't know if I ever would have said creativity before this, but I I think what it does is it helps me to trust in creativity, my creativity, the world's creativity, other people's creativity, but that, that there's a way that we can figure this out. Yes. Yes. And even if the block is, I don't know where to start. You know, and I think that that's what I, that's what I want to do in, in having a little gift arrive on someone's doorstep. It's like, here's where to start. You just, just open it. You just find the things that are, you know, enticing, intriguing, and and move towards them. Yeah, it's that simple. Well, and it's that complicated. Seriously, yeah. <laughs> I, I say that and I'm like, oh, but that fear, the fear is real. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, how easy is it to meditate? Oh, I and know. And yet, <laughs> it's so hard. Oh, I'd love to, I'd love to talk more about self-inquiry here. This is something that you, you are a student and a teacher of self-inquiry and, um, and I, the, the part of your bio really sticks out to me is that when you wrote, when our thinking is aligned, we will realize our greatest potential. And I think that has something to do with self-inquiry, right? It does. Yeah. Um, I discovered self-inquiry. It's not, it's not new, but it, it came to me, um, at, at a point where I found that um, my spiritual growth was kind of stagnating. Um, and I was kind of relying on old, old structures to, to kind of run the show for me. And it just wasn't fulfilling. And, 
And self-inquiry has been sort of that next step in my own like spiritual growth. And it, in a, in a nutshell, it considers that um, in life there, there exists both and the same moment, which is also just so incredibly creative, which is why I like to pair self-inquiry with creativity. Like I just think that they, they amplify each other. There's such synchrony there. But um, uh, Byron Katie is um, a teacher of self-inquiry, and you might know her book, Loving What Is. Um, she's also written a, a lot of great books. One that I really like that's just like, you know, open to any page and find something brilliant is called um, A Thousand Names for Joy. Just so profound. But essentially the teachings are a lot like... Um, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy where um, you would work with a therapist who would help you notice where your thinking shapes your behaviors and how your behaviors are forming your life and just questioning like if you know if things are heading in the right direction if this feels good to you or if you are wanting to make a shift and and it is looking at that the both and of things that Meditation can be simple and difficult, and creativity can be simple and difficult. Um, and letting letting life have that that spectrum, so that things are not just one way, um, and that life shouldn't be one way or should be another way. That life is, and. Um, so the practices I was talking about earlier a little bit, just becoming an observer of life and um, responding to reality more than reacting to it. So I'm absolutely a student of it myself. Um, and I, I have really found that I, I learn a lot through teaching it. So it's, it's a practice that is, is pretty important to me. Can you give an example of using self-inquiry in a situation and how that might help you align your own thinking? Sure. Or, or, or I can be a guinea pig and you can walk me through something too. But I'd, I'd, love, <laughs> I'd love listeners to hear how it works because it is really powerful, the process of it. Okay. Um, okay. My, um, my dad uh, experiences dementia. And... Um, it took, so it's an interesting experience to, to have, um, a loved one who has dementia because in a way they're here and in a way they're not. So, um, my, my dad is alive and, um, his personality is, is very much intact. And yet there, there are ways that he's not here anymore. And so, um, when, when we first um, discovered it and we're working to treat it for him. Um, I was really angry. I was not sure why, but just very, very resentful. And what I discovered was that I was believing that, um, he should be my father. He should do all the things that a father does. And I had, you know, a very specific list of things that a father does and he wasn't doing those things. Now, I wasn't looking directly at that. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't living that way of like, just really angry at my dad. And every time I saw him, I was yelling at him about, you know, 
you're supposed to be doing this as a dad and this as a dad. Um, but that's where I was uh, behaving from. Like, that's what was driving me. I was very angry. So at the same time as I'm making appointments for him and finding the right doctors, the right treatments, finding the right home for him, uh, I was very angry and resentful of the whole thing. And it was actually the, kind of one of the first things that I took through self-inquiry with um, a, a dear teacher of mine. Her name is Martha Creek. Um, and she has a great website that's, you know, of her name. She's just a great, great mentor. And so she, I kind of challenged her with this, like, all right, well, let's see what self-inquiry can do. And um, what I discovered was, you know, what I mentioned, that I was operating under this belief that he should be my father. And in holding so tight to that belief, I was, I was missing the reality that, um, you know, what his brain was doing and the fact that, you know, this, this is a man who is, um, living in a body that is experiencing dementia and we call it dementia. It's, it's holes in his brain. So this is a man who's living in a body that has, you know, holes in, in their, in its brain. And I was so busy wanting something that he couldn't be that I, I was list, I was losing what he was. I was losing the opportunity to love him and to be present to him and to be an observer of like what is still here. Um, so I was, I was holding back from loving him and caring for somebody that I care for because I was so angry about what this wasn't. Um, and that was, I think that really was where I found that self-inquiry was like, oh, this, this could be something. This might, this might help me. Um, so that's probably one of the most profound ways that it helped me. And it, it absolutely like reshaped the way that I relate with um, this person that I that I care deeply about, who um, doesn't serve as my dad anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. It's a really touching personal example, and I, I'm sure everyone listening has a relationship in their life that we want something different than what's showing up. I, and I know that for myself, I, yeah, like it's taken me a lot. It's probably some of the deepest spiritual work I've ever had to do is just to really understand and accept my parents for what they could offer me. And yeah. with my dad, that happened as he was dying. And it was, it was like when he was dying that I was like, oh, this is what you can offer me. Okay, that's enough. And it took, it, I think it kind of took him being in that state for me to understand that. And for my mom, it's much more of like a living process where I'm like, this is what you can give. And, you know, that's okay. But I think it's, it's letting go for me. It's been letting go of my own expectations. Um, and like you're saying, seeing through where my thinking is getting in the way of actually my happiness and yeah. having some, having some tools to work with that. Cause it's, it's kind of tricky in there in the mind. Yeah. Well, and it helped me a lot just in little ways with my kids. I mean, it still does every day, you know, in those moments where, you know, you find yourself going head to head with like a five-year-old and you have to, or or a (laughs) one-year-old and you have to kind of like take a step back a moment and be like, okay, where, this is the hill that, that I'm, that I'm going to die on, (laughs) you know, like, 
um, what is it that like, where's the stress in this moment for me? What am I believing that is making this hard? And it's just, it's so interesting to me how often I can find it. And that just diffuses everything. It doesn't mean that I don't have that thought anymore, but just that that thought isn't driving my actions anymore. You know, like my my daughter wants to wear something to school and I know it's completely impractical and she's digging in her heels and I feel, you know, my blood pressure rising and I want to dig in my heels and, you know, I can find like, oh, I'm often it's just I'm wanting this to to move like I want time to move faster. Like, like I don't actually think this is as important as she does. I've got things to do. Let's move on. And noticing just like what a couple more minutes being present can do, like just totally diffuse that. Like, you know, then I can hear like what she's really wanting and not have to react to it and not be like ready to, ready to jump in and fight or fix or change anything, but just be present to it. And a lot of times that's all she wants is her voice to be able to say like, I want to wear this, you know, like, yeah, I hear that. It's a really awesome outfit. I would totally wear that. It's just that it's 40 degrees outside. So maybe that outfit's better for summertime, you know, and, and all of a sudden she's on to like, Oh, 40 degrees. I get to wear my, pink hat with the, you know, with the puff ball on top. Like, yeah, totally you do. So it really helps me in like, where am I holding on too tight? Where can I let life have me a little bit more? Mm. The phrase I've been hearing from different people in my life lately is wearing life like a loose garment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like not taking it so seriously or personally, um, but I think we can say that, but I, I think there actually are practices that help us to live that. And what I really appreciate about what you're sharing with us is that the, the two that two seems like lineages that you're working with are creativity and self-inquiry and how one feeds the other. So the more creative you are, the more you see that there are lots of different potential outcomes for any situation. And then that helps you have a little bit more space when you are in a problem, which can help you observe yourself a little bit more which helps you have more creativity. Is, is that correct? Does that cycle yeah. feel it's accurate? It's funny how, like, yeah, self-inquiry helps you get out of your head, and so does creativity. But they can also, like, get you really into your head, too. <laughs> so, you know, like, the idea of creativity just gets you, gets me just completely into my head and, like, where am I going to make time for that? And, like, well, I'm not really, you know, I wouldn't really call myself an artist or, like, I'm not really, you know, I'm trained in this, so I can't really call myself an expert in this. And, you know, like, you can get into your head. And the truth is that, like, as soon as you pick up some kind of tool and make some kind of mark, like, that stuff doesn't matter anymore. You know, and the same thing with, like, self-inquiry. Like, well, I can get all involved in my thinking and pulling it all apart, but you know, the, the truth is that if I will just practice being an observer in a moment that, you know, there's no problem, you know, I'm, I just want, you know, I'll have what I need when I get there. 
that has actually been, you know, I mean, and it, it really sounds a lot like what you are describing and, you know, wearing life like the loose fitting garment, like I'll have what I need. And if I don't have it, I didn't need it. A hundred percent. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, actually, this idea of immediacy. And Mm -hmm. I I think a lot of where um, we get into scarcity is we start to get afraid for the future of like, but Mm -hmm. when this happens, this won't be there. And Mm -hmm. just for me, it's a conscious practice to be like, okay, like, is there, is there money in the bank account to pay for the bills we have this month? Like, is there enough food for like tonight and tomorrow morning for breakfast? Like, Mm -hmm. are the beds like clean sheets on the beds? Like, all right, we're cool. But it's, it's like, I feel like the nature of the mind and this might just, I'm such a, not a scientist around the stuff as my armchair science right here. Is that like (laughs) the evolution of, of us all is that we're, we're kind of honed to think about the future and kind of be afraid for the future, which is helpful until it's not anymore. And since we, most of us uh, who are listening to this, we probably have enough resources to immediately be okay and probably like tomorrow or next month be okay Um, but we can get so caught up in the worry and the fear about it so for me it's this constant coming back to like what do I have and that's that's like material stuff but I think it really does extend to the to the like relational and the spiritual it's like well when we're having that difficult discussion I'll know what to say and when I'm when I'm in the middle I thought we were done with the Get out the vote calls. <laughs> the, oh, I know. And you're at Harper, Harper's in Wisconsin, too. So just got to say congratulations up there. I was excited for you. Oh, yeah. Man, we were all up late here in Wisconsin last night. Oh, I yeah. can only imagine. It's oh, exciting. Yeah. So I just, I think it's it's so um, important and like coming back to like the idea that we're we're built for it and that we can trust ourselves and that the like i we like i don't think either of us started this podcast knowing what we were going to really talk about but we just kind of trust the conversation that we're going to have something to say yeah and i really like being with you and that because i like being with you it really makes me want to you know share my best stuff with you and um, you know, and and I hope it, it's the same for you. And, and that's where all the, you know, the really great, exciting, joyful stuff comes from. Yeah, thank you for that. I like being with you too. <laughs> <laughs> and it is, it's such a gift to share what what our, our own, um, I think the vulnerability of, of creativity together. That's that's what you're giving people with, with your presence and your life and all the different roles that you play, but also with these cool boxes. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, you know, now that I've started doing this, um, I will, you know, it's sort of like with comedians or like comedian, you're a funny guy, be funny, like say something funny. (laughs) So now I, I, you know, I'll show up somewhere and they'll say like, Oh, you do art stuff. Hey, if you want to like do an art project with the kids, that's totally fine. And, you know, uh, I've been just letting it be another, you know, creative problem to solve. Like, huh, okay, if I, you know, kind of, how do I MacGyver this <laughs> creative experience? Like, what? let's see, what's around me? Um, I did some really fun uh, finger painting the other day with some uh, 18-month-old kiddos. We made pumpkins with just mixing yellow and magenta 
tempera paint together. So it's been fun to, you know, kind of claim that I, uh, I'm an expert on creativity and then just be thrown into all kinds of ways to practice that. Yes. Embrace the expert. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. An expert. It is funny, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. great. They're going to, I it thrives the place where I volunteer, have volunteered for a long time and taught yoga there. There was a participant who he was really um, excited about the idea of being an expert on things. And he would only come to my yoga class when I told him I was an expert in yoga. Uh. And, um, and we had used these neckties for like straps with like stretching. And one day I had to leave for a few minutes and I came back and he had tied all the ties back into neckties. And he was like, I'm an expert at tying ties. And I just, I always think of him whenever I'm afraid That's to awesome. own the word expert or the title expert. I'm like, he would want me to call myself an expert in this moment. Yes. Yes. And also like hang out with kids for a while. Like. Yes. They're all experts. It's fantastic. We, um, I, I work at a Montessori school and, um, I, I'm a substitute teacher now. Um, so that's what I stepped away. That's how I stepped away to make more room for building curious ground. Um, and anyway, we had, we had an indoor resource the other day. And so I turned on my phone to just play some music and we were having like freeze dance. And while we're like, you know, rocking out, this little guy comes like dancing his way over to me and he's like Mrs. Martin and he does like you know his moves and he's like I was a ring bearer twice <laughs> <laughs> he goes like goes right back into his moves <laughs> just to be like I totally know how to do this <laughs> that's amazing own it everyone out there has been the equivalent of a ring bearer twice in their life so you just have to figure out what that is yes and own it yes Totally. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I, I always ask this question and um, I'm very curious to hear your answer. What does self-care mean for you? Like how, how is self-care defined in your brain and in your life? Self-care has required me to listen to myself and then be willing to speak up for myself. So uh, I think self-care looks like um, noticing when I'm tired and then really waiting to hear what makes me feel better when I'm tired and then the willingness to follow through like Okay, going to bed early helps me when I'm tired. Um, taking a, a bath helps me when I feel tired. Even if those, you know, my thinking about it is like, that's super indulgent or um, other people can stay up later than this. <laughs> you know, like I'm not a fragile porcelain mice. I can, I can, uh, <laughs> that's such a random reference. There was a David Letterman like years ago where one of his, top football team names was fragile porcelain mice. Anyway, <laughs> it's just, it, you know, when I'm, when I want to talk myself out of something that like, like you say, like there are bigger problems in the world. Like I can persevere. Like I can just put my nose to the grindstone and press on like, well, actually that's just me talking myself out of stopping and listening for a minute. So self-care to me has, has been 
like to stop and listen and then to put some integrity behind listening to myself, you know, being an advocate for myself. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful and and simple and hard at the same time. Yeah. There it is again. Yeah. It really came out of parenting. It's so easy to, to just throw everything you have into raising these amazing little beings and it's also really physically depleting and it's not the only time that we do that but I think it's just maybe one of the most intense times that I was aware of it so I think my self-care practice came out of yeah just just putting some intentionality around listening to myself Mm-hmm. and you can't do that unless you know what your values are too something I've learned it's like there's so many competing interests on my time and energy. And so I just have to get really clear on what, what do I value? And so I can use my time and my intentionality to make those things grow where, and let some other things just kind of either plateau or maybe even fade away. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like looking up from your life a little bit. Mm -hmm. Well, getting, getting, being the observer of your own life as you're talking about. And then from that, observation being creative of like I think motherhood has taught me a lot about creativity of like all right I need some social needs met today I also need to get some work done and I want to share more about creativity so we can have a podcast together and that that satisfies a lot of those totes (laughs) yeah and I've loved it so win total win yay Harper Martin curious ground total win um well how can people stay in touch with you and learn more Um, and get one of your boxes oh yes do we have um three options you can because i love options um you can order boxes month to month or in three month um lengths six months or 12 months so um when you go to my website thecuriousground.com um you will see all those options. Um, and the, another option is to, to give the box as a gift. And one of my new favorite ideas is that, um, each month when your box is being sent out, you can choose to make it a gift. And so sometimes, cause what I've found is that like, I really want this to arrive when you're really excited for it to arrive. And if you know you're not going to be there or you know you're got, you've got a busy stretch and um, you're just not, won't be able to put that intentionality behind it, that's a great time to send it to someone else. It's just like a surprise gift. Um, so that's another one of the, the ways that you can um, participate in mm. Curious Ground. And that's all at my website, thecuriousground.com. And what I thought was, um, for your listeners that I would I would um, have a little special treat waiting for you on the website. So, um, but to just only to pique your curiosity, I'm not going to tell you what the special treat is. I'm just going to tell you that there's a page on my website that's just for you. So if you go to thecuriousground.com backslash beautiful life with Gracie, then um, you'll find your little treat. Ooh, that's intriguing. It's very curious. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. And it just uh, everyone remembers it's Gracie with a Y. I think everything else is self-explanatory in there. 
And I am personally excited to get an art box subscription for my family and for someone else out there who might be listening to this podcast. So I'm not going to say who. Oh my gosh. I won't tell them either. <laughs> Our secrets. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much. This has been a real gift and I feel inspired uh, to create and um, also more, more wanting to inquire into, into the many ways that I can use my creativity. So thank you for, for sharing yourself with us, Harper. Oh, you're welcome. I'd love to hear what you, what you discover, what, what unfolds. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely keep you updated. And just for everyone listening out there, I, I hope you heard many things in this because there are a lot of gems. What I, what I really hope you hear is that your creativity is important and you, it's not just uh, like it's, it's use it and it's there and you can trust it and you can trust yourself in it. And even though there are so many pressing problems on the world. I feel them every single day. I also believe that if we were all really exercising our creativity, that we would um, really not have as many problems. So we got to be the change we want to see in the world. So taking some time to show up for creativity not only helps us solve problems, but probably also eliminates a lot of them. So just do whatever it is that you need to do to feel creative and know that we're here supporting you. Oh, yes. Yeah. All right. Well, bye-bye, everybody. Keep taking care of yourself and talk to you next time. Hi, this is Gracie with Beautiful Life Self-Care. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I hope you learned something new. If you want to connect more, then visit me at selfcarewithgracie.com. There you can sign up for my weekly newsletter where on Wednesday afternoons I'll send you more self-care practices, more inspiration, and more opportunity to connect to a community of people who really care about really good self-care. Also write me if you have any other questions or if you have ideas for future shows. My email address is selfcarewithgracie at gmail.com. Thanks a lot and remember, keep putting yourself first and everything else will fall into place.